Hey guys, Tony here. I hope you're having a relaxed time, um, quarantine, and this crazy time. I'm here actually um, in my parents' house up in Seaside. Um, so I just wanted to preface this episode with a little note. This this episode that you'll hear today was recorded about a, a little over a week ago uh, with Caesar down in LA. Um, it was banked and we had it and you know we, we have some important and relevant conversations. Um, Freddie Soltero is our guest. He's a good friend of ours and he uh, that comes around in the middle of the show but I just want to preface th- this episode with this little note that it is about a week old but it you can still enjoy it so thank you. Hello and welcome to the Tapeworms podcast. I am Tony Tapeworm. It's another quarantine edition of the show. I'm here with my co-host Caesar. How's it doing? How's it going? And we're also chilling here with uh, Caesar's <laughs> dog, Lady. How'd you? Say how'd, yeah, she's been on our show. I mean, in our lives, in the show for a, a while. What's the story of Lady? Uh, she uh, came from a home of abuse. I'm assuming because she's really <laughs> depressed. She's basically a millennial. Um, she, a she's millennial a sad girl. Yeah, she she has like a lot of anxiety. She's always depressed. Um, but she loves to eat. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, I don't know if you want to get into that later. We can talk the lady about lady origins. We can talk about that later. We Lots can talk about maybe why she's Lady Bird of the Second. Oh, uh oh, that sounds like a dark story. It is okay. Well, we can get into that later, but hopefully, you're staying safe, staying inside, keeping clean. Roll the intro of the Tapers Podcast. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month. It is April, finally. And let me tell you, this felt, it felt like the longest March ever. I don't know. Like, I was thinking, like, the Oscars were in, like, mid-February. And that seemed, like, so long ago. The world is in a different place. Parasite had just made history. (laughs) And now here we are. You know, finally inching, sputtering to April to the fourth month of the year, and man, it's been a it's been a rough and tumble first little quarter of the month. Yeah, my work quarter just ended. It's officially the first quarter of the year for me. In the book, oh, I guess because it starts that. How does that work for us? Our quarters are just. January through March, then April through June, I think, and then just have the four quarters. But I know there's different companies that like their quarter starts like in December and ends in March, and so it just depends on the company. Yeah, well, that's how we do it though. Speaking of the quarter system, lots of people are still in school. Uh, we're talking later to a buddy, 
a friend, a psychology expert who's still, who's in graduate school, and uh, you know him. It's Freddie. It's the Psych Check segment. We'll get to that later. But yeah, let's... People uh, are demanding him more than ever since everyone's alone and depressed and hating the quarantine. Yeah, but man, it's uh, it's been a crazy time. Like, I straight up was like outside today. Like, I was just okay. Let me just get this straight. I I am running on on not a lot of sleep right now, so I'm just I'm like not on edge, but I don't know. Whenever I like don't get a lot of sleep, I'm like get all kind of sensitive. So I might say some things on this podcast that <laughs> I, get canceled. I don't I don't mean or I, I say without really thinking or maybe just have a brain fart too just to get it out of the way. But yeah, I was just like I was near my work and I wanted to go to Trader Joe's and you know get a little bit of food. But literally the line was was out the door and and like they have this whole thing of only ten people. You can only let ten people in Dang, at nice. a time, or something like that. And I, didn't, I was like in the parking lot, and then I was like about to park. I was like, "Oh, sweet, there's plenty of parking spots," which is rare for Trader Joe's, as any Trader Joe's fan would know. The parking lots are usually pretty packed. But the line was literally out the door and then around the side of the freaking store. So I didn't want to wait like an hour to get a couple things. So I was just like, "Whatever." And then I, I have to make a th- I have to stop at FedEx. Um, and then this little FedEx sort of little circle circle thing. Did you stop at the one on Fig? No, no. This oh, is uh, this there. is off in Studio City. It was packed. That, that is a good. I like that. Fed- I've been to that FedEx on multiple occasions. It's a good FedEx. It looked like a Trader Joe's. It was packed. <laughs> well, if a Trader Joe's was only ten people in at a time, I feel like that's be that's just weird i feel like there's like a, an exclusivity but it's for the best you know um but just it was same as vons there's a vons right right across um and i was like man that's just and the same little thing out line out the door you have to wait this whole time and it was literally the last week and it was it wasn't like this so it just keeps on escalating and it feels more and more like uh science fiction novel it is straight up we're living in a, a science fiction movie or i just keep on thinking that you know um so what i, I finally ended up doing was going to pizza rev which is like a kind of like a blaze pizza make your own it was a good pizza but you know i just want to get on get some actual groceries which and it's funny too because the pizza place was like totally empty that was your day (sighs) that's life and it i don't know how how you guys are taking it i there's people are like oh i I, i'm just getting so cabin fever i'm cooped up i i want to go outside but literally going outside today for me was horrendous i'd rather stay inside i don't know i i maybe i'm an introvert maybe i enjoy just staying inside having my own space not having to deal with all these masks and all this stuff you know Ah, but man like this weekend all just stayed inside just chilled and i don't know i like i i i don't mind staying and working from home and doing all this i don't know maybe that's just me but 
I'm not going stir crazy, I swear. Well, maybe I am, because I... I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I like it inside. I think if I could, you know, survive... If if I've talked to my girlfriend about this, who's she? Get, I, Emma Wong. <laughs> Emma, I've talked to her about um, that's right. How if joke. I ever go into retirement, which I plan on doing in the next five years, <laughs> that I, I it's thirty five. Okay, okay, hold on. Let's pause a second. <laughs> yeah, last week it was thirty five, and now if, now you're retiring <laughs> before thirty. The numbers are looking good, all right. Okay, okay. No, well, I I I've been looking. You know, what, what does the AARP stand for? associated something of retired people yeah so i i've been looking at the aarp website where all the old people go and stuff to look at their like 401k i don't know like all their okay. retirement funds and just strategize and um apparently a lot of the older community as soon as they retire they get really depressed and bored so a lot of them end up volunteering or getting a part-time if like they feel like they're up to it mm-hmm. but i think my ideal life would be just working like a little low stress part-time job to supplement my income because i think if i were to retire i'd still want to have something like connecting me to the community something to go do daily sure but not so much that it like consumes 40 hours out of my week maybe like 15 to 20 is good sure sure i mean i retirement i i don't know how you're thinking of that right now Caesar. i mean what i like it's working cause, it's because of my trump bonus <laughs> i'm set for life that thousand dollars yeah is setting you for life because you're gonna invest it all yeah i gotta no i'm gonna i'm actually gonna put it into savings it's because i've been wanting to build you know like a a big nest egg just in right. case so, things go so horribly wrong. just a and a and a, and a couple <laughs> short sentences what's your plan to retire in five years all right if i need to retire in five years ideally i have a property so I just need enough for a down payment to have a place. That way I can share the place with someone and then I can have my income supplemented by one or two people, I guess. And that would be enough to continue paying the mortgage while also supplementing my income. And I'd also have to put in maybe like a hundred to 200000 into dividend stocks with a mix of like super high volatility and low volatility. And that way I can just get a check every quarter if I decide to do it that way or every month. And... I'd also have a little part-time job. So what's your, how, how, what's your number? Well, that's, that's, I guess that's the question. I like, I think a lot of people could actually like, like when I talk retirement, I'm not actually talking retirement technique because I want to do a part-time job. I think I'd want to, you know, have but some retirement little supplement. as in just totally let off the gas, like, yeah, sell, like all let your, off the gas. sell all your assets. No, not even sell my assets. I still want money to come in from stuff, but I think, for me, what retirement is, is if I want to quit that job, I'll quit it today and get another job, you know? There's nothing holding me really to anything because I can, you know, make my decisions because of freedom. Freedom. Yeah. So American of you, Caesar. Yeah. So that's why you got to have a little nest egg. You know, if you do get fired, you got to have enough money to survive like three or six months to pay your expenses. And if you have, you know, your life set up that way, you really are not held to any job. Because it yeah. really, I mean, it's never happened to me, but I'm, I'm also young, but it, it would really suck, you know, if you give your auto a job or, you know, you've set your life up for a job and then they just call you in the next day. 
and say we regret to inform you. Yeah, we regret to inform you. Today's your last day. Come pick up all your crap. Yeah, I guess you always hope that that never happens, but sometimes got it plan accordingly would, would, you're a good worker though they wouldn't they wouldn't do that to you yeah right? they, pro- they they they're gonna fire me because they know i'm planning to retire already. no <laughs> but yeah uh if you if you are the type of person that's willing to live in a in a car and just have like an extra 200 bucks a month for fun retirement is a lot sooner than you think so depending on the lifestyle you want to live that's how far retirement is yeah i don't know i i I guess when I think of, I mean, it's it's a far-fetched idea right now, but maybe the reason why I haven't th- thought of retirement is just when I think of retirement, I do think of settling down, taking care of my family with my, you know. It's the worst thing you can do for retirement. Yeah. Have a family. So... So are these not are these not mutually exclusive? If you want to retire before 35, you're dead set on no kids. I don't know if things work out, you know, um, with money, definitely. But it, it is it is going to be a lot do you wanna, harder. Do you want to send your kids to private school? Probably. See, that's that's another expense. But that's why oh, kids see, are expensive. About this. I'm going to have a lot more time. I'm going to make them little science whiz kids, and then they get a fat scholarship to go to an amazing private school. What if they hate you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what if they don't want to do science, Caesar? They have to. <laughs> Well, that's not free will at all. That's that's not free. Hey, I paid for my freedom. <laughs> they got to pay for their own. That's oh, the lesson boy. they got to learn. Cool. Well, who knows? I mean, well, who even knows if we're going to need it even through this year? I'm going to put my five-year-old on the street if he doesn't want to study science. You know, it's a long noise away, but I just want my kid to be uh, uh, strong. Like gonna a, buy him a little bench? No, no, just a treadmill. Just uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's has, hard. Has the really whole think. coronavirus thing made you think about, like, if you do want to bring a life into this world? It's definitely made me think of people who do have kids. Who, a uh, buddy of mine, who I work with, he has just recently started. He had a baby. Him and his wife had a baby. Just like a f- couple months ago, um, so just like seeing that go through the process, and we interviewed Pat, you know, last mm. week of just just couples who are have a child in this world. I don't, you know, I don't think long term it really affects my outlook. You know, eventually someday, I I would like to make a little baby, baby Anthony. <laughs> but yeah. Um, has has it affected you, your outlook, Caesar? I I don't think so because I mean, I always know I've always known that I want to have a kid in the future, but I think that I've never really thought like thought it through at least for any time coming soon. So as of right now, I still you know think about it the same way I used to. Where yeah, I still want to have a kid because I still haven't sat down and crunched the numbers and and talked to my significant other. You know, I still haven't done any of that. And I think once you do all that, that's when it gets a little more real. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. You know, if if uh, if your significant other were to get pregnant tomorrow, what would you, what would you think? I mean, I would I would raise it. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. 
you know that's that i let's not get into the taboo but you know but then again i do want my freedom so (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing is i feel like she would have the choice at the end of the day i would support her my significant other's decision no matter what you know i don't know it's a uh, let's that's a, a whole nother can of worms and uh we will sort of uh transition this is a good segue i, I think into our our conversation now the uh the psych check segment with our boy freddy so let's get into that all right Welcome back, Freddie Soltero to the Tableman's Podcast. How are you, Freddie? I'm doing well, staying in. How are you guys doing? Staying in, staying fit. Uh, I was just telling Caesar how, like, I think you were talking about this too, of like, you really know, you figure out whether you're an introvert or an extrovert through this yeah. quarantine. The great equalizer. It's the great equalizer. So... <laughs> And oh, and I'm I am really rethinking not rethinking but uh, just more aware of my my uh, introversion tendon. I've actually become aware of my extroversion, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's funny because traditionally I always think of myself as an introvert, but when you really look at it, it's um, introverts can be very extroverted. It just matters where they recharge themselves. And I'm starting to realize that I don't recharge by myself as much as I think I do. Mm. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you would react to this, but like today I was out and just seeing all these people out wearing masks in the lines of uh, these, out of these grocery stores where it takes an hour just to get inside. Right. Like that just made me feel like I just wanted to go home you know i didn't want to be there i just get me out get me out of this situation like i felt just not cool i don't know right here we are through zoom and you are in you are in (laughs) what's happening right now you are wait freddie you don't want to say where you are? Oh, where I am? I'm at home. I was confused. To <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what you were asking. What city? What yeah. city? I was like in his room oh, in the city. Right now. State. Yeah. <laughs> you are in, I wanted you to fill the blank there. Okay. Oh, I'm in Linwood. <laughs> You're in Linwood. Hardcore dead air right we're there. We're here <laughs> in downtown. And I want to say Zoom is a great thing. <laughs> Wish I invested in this, man. Zoom is great. It's beautiful. And um, I don't know. Have you guys been seeing like the pranks on Zoom? They're, oh, what's it called? There's a word for it. They're already like Zoom blasting or something like that. Yeah, Zoom, yeah, Zoom blasting like porn or like. People find the link and then they join a meeting and then they just yell out racist things and then (laughs) exit the meeting. That's messed up. I think my, my girlfriend was telling me about how like one of her classes. I, I don't know if it was one of her classes or one at USC, but they got Zoom blasted. Everyone was like, what the hell just happened? Can I send you guys my link to a tapeworms blast? Yeah, sure. I, oh, yeah, let me do... Let us, let us join one of your class ones and then uh, just yell something I, out. I was watching a video 
uh, about that. It was, it's this YouTube. They're really awful. They're terrible. They're called Nelk. And um, I don't know if you guys are aware. You guys watch Nelk at all on YouTube? Mm-mm. Never heard of them. They're so crass. It's insane. But they did. They they were like fans of theirs sent them um, like their own class invites. So they they right. joined. And this one dude, he's pretending his mom is in the room or like just off screen. And he's he's like asking a question to the professor, the teacher, and just straight up yelling at his mom in between asking the question. He's like, <laughs> it's like, so professor, blah, 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 like, is what's like this? This is like, and he's like, shut up, mom. <laughs> like, you're not doing my laundry. I'm <laughs> and it's just really awkward. I feel more, it's just weird for everyone else. And who's getting zoom blasted right like and for the professor too just, yeah just all I, haven't, I haven't had zoom blast i just had people forgetting they're on camera oh yeah you're saying someone like was was like someone took a, took a fat bong rip they turned the camera off for a second and they t- and it, they managed to turn it back on as they're like as they're inhaling they're just like oh shit like kind of freak out and just mid like <laughs> mid rip Mid rib. I had like a work meeting last Friday and um, I took the laptop to the restroom and I just started crapping. And I, I had the camera off, but for some reason, like I got, I had the like a mini panic attack. No, I didn't have the mic on or anything, but I just had a panic attack and I was like, oh my God, what if it says it's off, but it's odd and no one's saying anything? Like, I think just, it's just better to face the camera away if you don't think what's in front of it is going to be good. Yeah. Because you never know. You bumped the, yeah, like you bump the, keep like the space bar by mistake and better safe than sorry, someone gets yeah. a f- full cheek <laughs> yeah it's a brave new world for us out there at least my mine's is extending through the summer as well so i probably won't have in-person classes till fall damn how are your uh, professors doing with the technology because you know a lot of universities don't have too many young professors well, all my professors are Gen X, so I don't have any boomers. Mm. I had a class where my professor still used, um, I hadn't seen those like projector slides since I was like in elementary school. Oh, yeah. He had those projector yeah. things. Those where, so like, sick. I love he those. has like a, like a see-through paper and like yeah. projects it. Yeah, like one of those. And I, I feel like he has no idea what he's doing on Zoom. Dude. I had a professor that used that for like in as a math pro- question, but she was young and I just like that's kind of sick. I don't know. Um, You're saying Brave New World earlier. You just said Brave New World. Yeah. Good book. I'm just free associating here, but like, <laughs> I feel like this is sort of a Brave New World. Yeah, man. Talk about, dude. Yeah, exactly. You have the alphas, the betas, the gammas, otherwise known as essentials and non-essential people. What's yeah, what's uh, 1984 and which one's a Brave New World? What's the, I forgot the difference between the two. Brave New World is like, uh, uh, it's about people being genetically engineered. So some people are purposely made dumber because they're just subservient. So they'd be like gammas and then like the top tier people who are bred to be intelligent. And like, which one has the savages? That's Brave New World. That's yeah, John the Savage. But in 1984 is written by George, Big Brother, George Orwell. Yeah, really? Big Brother. Oh, okay. Tele screens, um, uh, drinking gin and being yeah. with dad and and uh, 
defeated because the Big Brother's always watching. Mm. But man, Aldris Huxley of Brave New World. Let me say, like, there's a, there's some, uh, there's some parallels. I want, I want. I'm thinking of just like. I'm telling you, man, essentials and non-essentials. He predicted that the year 1984 would happen. That's crazy. <laughs> George Orwell. Took a lot of optimism. Yeah, to be Especially honest, for someone so like who, who thinks the future is like so dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. But continuing to free associate here, we were talking about minimalism too. And what do you, what do you know about minimalism, Freddie? If I'm misinterpreting it, but I'm probably gonna butcher it, butcher it. But it's I'm guessing it's a way of just minimalistic, like just the basic needs to get by, almost like a home front rationing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about minimalism. You know, you make it what you want it to be. Because I I know when I like maybe first discovered it in like high school, like I started reading blogs about it and stuff. Like, depending on the blog you read, there's a person applies it differently. Like, and there's that whole Mary Kondo lady. Um, yeah, where she, for her minimalism, I think I don't even know if she calls it that, but she says if 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 your space does not spark joy, then you need to renovate your space and like that. So like yeah. for her, it's if if what you have around you isn't sparking joy, that's not minimalism or whatever. But um, yeah, I've I've been practicing a lot lately. Lately, um, I think just since I've been spending so much more time in my room, I wanted my room to be more joy sparking. And so I got rid of a lot of stuff, and that didn't bring you joy. That didn't bring me joy, and and in many cases, if I don't know, like especially the way I have my room, a lot of the time it's it's very chaotic, and maybe you know subtly, it leads to chaos in my mind. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of this. Uh, spe- speaking back to books, this one book I read called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And there's this one couple in the book that has, there's their, their, their marriage is uh, not just, they're kind of, uh, they don't, they're on, it's on the rocks, you know, they argue and they're, it, they don't seem that happy. And the writer of the book visits them one time and at their home and, and he sees that their, their faucet is just leaky. You know, it just has like tiny little drops and, you know, the, he he says like, why aren't you, he says to them like, why aren't you guys gonna fix it? I'm like, come on, like, well they say you know it, it's not really causing us that much, you know, pain or, or it's really not that big of a deal, right? You know, it's not really causing me stress or anything or, or really, co- it's not that big of a deal. But you know the way he thinks of it is, it's this bigger picture of like. The, the, the little things, you know, of yeah. what surround you, you know, of your everyday life. Um, and, you know, we could become almost, uh, at least I could just like when you're, you're like habits, you know, like, like if you just have your space a certain way, you just get used to it and totally could reflect just how you are. I mean, if, I I know Willie, who's also on the on the podcast of a frequenter. He's a very clean person and cleanliness no, he's, is close he's definitely to not a minimalist though. He owns a lot of things. <laughs> he just has the randomest things in his room. <laughs> he likes to collect things. But 
Cleanliness is close to godliness. Yeah. That's what they say. And I don't know. I don't I don't know who made that up, but maybe it's true. Um, depends what kind of god you worship. Yeah. Because, which also kind kind of ties in to Brave New World. I don't remember if there how much religion is discussed in Brave New World. There but, was no religion. It was just, if I remember correctly, it was the it was the way of the savages. Right, just the savages. And yeah, in one of the books, I think there's like a point where they're like in a bookstore or something, and like they start talking about. Well, he finds a copy of the Bible. Yeah, there you go. Mm. But speaking of Aldous Huxley's life, uh, sort of removing the art from the arts, he got really into the 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 deep end of LSD, like, psychedelics, and everything. Yeah. Um, and doors it just makes perception. you think of like, yeah, doors of perception, uh, all the, the different sort of, uh, substances he, he sort of tested himself on and just seeing that and like, man, I wonder, I wonder if like, is this a sort of mystical thing that, that people are, are looking for? Like, you know, who is it who said that God is dead? Nietzsche. That was Nietzsche. Yeah, so like we live in the society, according to Nietzsche, that God is dead. So we're still looking for these sort of spiritual experiences. Well, you you got to look at the full thing. The whole yeah. statement is God is dead and we killed him. It's so, a very, it's a very, uh, very mis, mis- Yeah, when you look at it a little more. What he was saying though is like we kind of evolved past the need of God because God was a concept of ethics. Yeah. And so now instead of believing God, some people believe in in LSD. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to he has like <laughs> it's it's a part of um one of his whole like books. Like there's so much to that statement. Well, like, even I think I don't know just to go off on that too cuz I think it's very interesting. He like roasts even people I think who believe in science cuz he's like how are you any different looking for a god like because I guess he says religious people who study God are looking for like the end of what life, like what, what the ultimate goal is to understand truth. And he's yeah. like, scientists are stupid too because their ultimate goal is to understand truth, but that's something that's never achieved. So you're just as stupid for trying to achieve something. Damn. That's the absolutism of things, right? And yeah, I mean, like the goal of science is to understand truth completely, but he's like, neither of you are ever going to get there no matter how hard you try. Well, that's what's interesting about Nietzsche too. Like, if you read that book, that whole book was just his own concept of free will. In that, ultimately, you're playing out the same patterns. It's still your free will because you chose those actions. But he has this just the idea of just a circular life where, like, you come back to the same point over and over. I would have made him study science as a kid, though. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's all his philosophy major. Both you two as scientists. Of the mind and of the, of the bug, of the bug. <laughs> how, how would you? Would you just totally raise a middle finger to Nietzsche, or how would you? You know, like you guys are passionate scientists. I don't know what. Would, would you say go to hell, Nietzsche, or or? No, I think he's got it right. I think we have to remember that philosophy is the father of psychology and the father of natural science. There would be no science without philosophy because philosophy was just questioning the natural world, questioning the natural world and trying to make an ordered way of observing it. So, you know, in regards to Nisha, 
Nisha was an, it was an interesting character. He had a lot going on, and right. I mean, that dude eventually died of syphilis. So you can really make <laughs> like what well, he was writing as his brain was rotting away. He was, he was searching for truth. He was searching for truth. <laughs> Damn. You know. I wonder if he got it through like you know doing things, or if he just happened to be one of those people that just happened to get syphilis somehow. I mean, there's only one way to get it. Oh, what way is that, Freddie? <laughs> through uh, frequent visitations with women of the night. Well, I, w- I want to say that when medicine is so bad back in the day that not practicing sterile technique could lead to a lot of people just getting syphilis. <laughs> I mean, I but guess. I do want to say though. We live in a in an age quite removed from from Nietzsche. Well, he was in like what turn of the twentieth century. Yeah. So like, man, how much has changed since then? Come on, like. How much has changed since then? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I mean, Brosford, Brosford, Brosford asking for Brosford asking my question back to me in a in a funny tone, but I do think a lot has changed in that. I mean, you could look at it through different uh, modes, but I, I, there's this whole thing of, of uh, paradigm shift. It's a big, big word. I, I don't know. But big like, paradigm shift guy. Big paradigm shift guy. Like That could maybe be the title of this, but <laughs> man, I the aspect of like all this computer stuff, social media, uh, not even that, but like our, the way we see our future. I don't know. I, and I, I want to tie this back to Aldous Huxley, brave new world. And he came a little bit later, you know, thir- a little, maybe, you know, few 30 some years when later, when, when, uh, brave new world came out, but like, that idea of you don't need love and you don't need sex or, or anything to, to, to produce these beings, right? Or human, yeah. the human species has been modeled so that take out the love of it, take out the family, take out the marriage, take out all that, which I know you're studying very well, but take all that out and, we're, and see humans as these mechanical beings. I don't know. I the way biometrics and eugenics and all that has been moving towards makes me think this this humanity is is turning more into something that you know with artificial intelligence something that I we mean might not have control of or isn't that far? I'm not sure. I know. Uh, I know Caesar's a big geneticist guy. I was just reading an article today that um, they actually first, they just applied CRISPR to an actual human patient. CRISPR's... um, In China? Manipulation. Where? In the U.S. or... I think it was in the U.S. I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but um, I doubt it was the U.S. because the U.S. is so strict on the ethics like that. Right. But basically, they were working Uh to uh, deal with genes in a genetic uh, disease. So they're altering the genes in, in that form. So it just seems like that world of Aldous Huxley isn't all that far away. And I wouldn't doubt that America... You know, if, if I could provide one argument against this, you know, future Aldous Huxley sure, sure. world, you know, I guess when, when you present, I guess, these sort of arguments where, you know, we remove love and then just, you know, make babies in test tubes, a lot of the time, I guess, with their... 
what they're taking into account is the imperfection of humanity when our goals could be achieved a lot better, removing, you know, our personalities, our love, or all these things that just kind of muddy our path to the goal, mm-hmm. which is procreation and a betterment of life and stuff. And I think one good thing or one thing that kind of is a counter to that is that like eugenics and all that, even though the goal is the, to make the perfect life form, the beauty of not being a perfect life form is that we're fit for multiple environments. And so like if, if you know, we, we make the Hitler race, which is a bunch of like blonde people, very tall and muscular, where I guess they were trying to do that whole thing. Maybe the ozone layer gets depleted the next year and then everyone with fair skin gets cancer and dies. You know, like we, we can't make one uniform race because then if anything about our, our environment changes, everyone's going to die. Whereas, you know, when you have people that have diseases, and I'm saying like quotation marks, for some reason, sometimes diseases are better in different environments. And that's the beauty of genetic defects, as we call them, because these things are no longer defects in certain well, scenarios. That, bring, that makes me think of the way artificial intelligence is just so fast and like maybe it can adapt so quickly that, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe it, it just sees the sun. It can detect the ozone layer immediately. It changes their, their hardwiring so that I don't know, like, yeah. like you, I think what you bring into is like adaptation evolution. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if, if artificial te- that whole next next uh, human post human life, they're definitely gonna have yeah. that, and they're you times. Well, the billion. interesting thing about AI that people forget a lot of the time is that, at least in our in our case right now, is that AI and and computers and all that are still hardware, and and in that case, there's not a lot of diversification and room for evolution. If in the future, I guess there's you know a mixture of hardware and and human like flesh that'd be really interesting but as of now you know all it takes is we run out of uh aluminum and uh lithium and all you know ai kind of crumbles because it can't be powered anymore we could say right. the same thing for human if we run yeah. out of few fuel if we run out of run out of food i don't know wait i will say good thing about being human there is love and I love love. And I, <laughs> I, I just want to tie this back. Like I don't give an F about any, well I do since we've been talking about it, but like, I'm still glad to be a human because, <laughs> because I'm glad to feel all these emotions. And, and so what, there certainly are bad days like today, like this generation, like this short little dark age we're living in. I want to be an otter. <laughs> be an otter. I mean, otters are cool. It's a fair point. I mean, evolution has decided to wire as a social beings and studies show like there's this whole attachment study done to babies. There is a whole orphanage in, I think it was uh, Czechoslovakia after the war, after the World War II. Big Czechoslovakia guy. Big Czechoslovakia guy. What ended up happening is these babies were fed physically like they got what they needed, but they weren't showing any affection because there's just so many nurses trying to handle all these kids and kids started dying off, not from starvation, not from anything biological, just the fact that they weren't receiving affection. Yeah. I mean, and to add more weight to this, there's studies about like rats that if they're like not loved or cared by their rat parents, 
they end up being a lot more aggressive when they grow up. And that leads like literally to genetic changes within them as infants if they're not like cared for by their mothers, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's the thing. Our our development is based a lot about affection, like emotional attunement. Like our parents paying attention to us, that that develops our brain. Right. Yeah. It's it's crazy. You got to be loved. I mean, but to further my my evolution thing, maybe if your parents love you too much and you grow up in a world that requires more aggression, you were screwed. Because you're out here trying to love people and then someone just beats your ass and kills you. But your parents would probably be accustomed to that too and they would model it towards it. I don't know, bro. There's a lot of aggressive parents today. There's a lot of loving parents. (laughs) Depends where you grow up, man. Why not both? Slap the shit out of your baby, but then listen, be there for when he cries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make him a little aggressive. (laughs) But, um, one one other thing, I maybe switching gears here a little bit. I know earlier this week you were talking about paradoxes and and paradox psychology yeah i think yeah this could be a a, another sort of thing to discuss is i mean paradox i feel like we live in a paradox yeah i the whole you know it's kind of tying in this conversation we began around philosophy and tying it into science the basically the whole field is what, what most people would call reverse psychology, but you're not pulling something on someone. The whole concept of it is that, especially like this works with people with like addictions or like really just treat like treatment resistant people like Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> How it works is basically it's like people. Have- oh, wait. Uh, technical issues, Freddie. Hold on, Freddie. We can't hear you. <laughs> He's going off. We can't hear Freddie, us either. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. What's. Have we hit it's the? Have no. we hit, What's wrong? Goddamn Zoom! <laughs> okay, there we go. Are you guys? Are, can you hear me now? Yeah, oh, there yeah, we go. What happened? What were you saying? I don't uh, know. What, what, what was the last thing you guys heard? You said a uh, treatment resist, resistant people like Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, it's for people. It's the whole point of it is is like these people have free will and they're going to ultimately choose to do what they want. To summarize in short, this form of this form of therapy is almost convincing. Trying to go against my free will, right? Yeah, that's the thing. You think you think these decisions you're making are actually your free will, but what they actually are is just you habitually acting on what you've been taught. So you're not actually making this decision for yourself. It's you acting on an, on an instinctual habit. So in in turn, you realize like, wow, I'm not acting on my free will. It's something else acting for me. And then that's how you convince the person that they need to change or rather they convince themselves of it. So is the not acting on free will a result of some sort of fundamental part of psychology or is it because I haven't received treatment yet and you will teach me? Well, it's most likely you being resistant to it, but let's go back to what I said before. Philosophy is the father of psychology and natural science mm-hmm. at the heart of philosophy or at least regarding humanity is that we have inherent free will and why you why you might be resistant to therapy is because thinking like you you convince yourself so much because you understand this is a behavior that's been ingrained in you for years and years on end you convince yourself that i'm making this decision when in reality you're just doing a knee-jerk reaction or like 
people with sex addictions were like, oh yeah, I chose to sleep with that guy, but not really. You're just been indoctrinated or I choose to drink. You're not really choosing to drink. You're kind of succumbing to your own habits. But you well, think what I tell you is that this is big psychology trying to empty my pockets. You know, you would love the psychology. You know how I would answer someone who comes in with... I feel like I'd rather like sit down and read the textbooks with you than actually do a treatment session. I f- yeah. You know what? From from I guess from me being well, give me give me one negative that. give me one negative behavior that you think would be treatment resistant, like a, some form of addiction. For for people, yeah, conversion therapy, gay okay, gay conversion. It's <laughs> not real therapy. You can't set yourself up like that, Freddie. <laughs> That's pseudoscience. <laughs> but I mean, like the example of this guy. There's like the example of working in um in like a boy's home where these guys are doing sexual behaviors, like they're air humping, they're like slapping <laughs> this and that. Hey, what's wrong with a little air humping here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll you know, get to the point. His idea was like, you know what? These people aren't going to listen to me. They're, these kids are like, these are foster kids. The fuck they going to listen to me for? These yeah. kids are tough as they come. So basically what he did one week, he's like, all right. He's like, I want to know who's the best at doing this. Who's the best at humping the wall? Who's the best at like, just the most ridiculous thing you come up with? Do you see the paradox? A paradox is literally just something so ridiculous that it bypasses all logic. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, this guy's trying to help me by telling me to keep doing the negative behavior I have. Eventually, you at first, you're going to realize, like, I'm not going to fucking do it because then it's because he's telling me to do it. Yeah. But in turn, you realize I wasn't actually doing it out of my own choice. I was just doing it because this was something... Like, I'm not actually calling the shots here. Mm-hmm. Like, this reinforced behavior I've made is what's calling the shots. So I don't have free will in this at all. You know, this is actually a very interesting topic because the legal system begs to differ. And, and, you know, in many cases, I guess when people plead insanity, we're like, you know what? It's really not their fault. But then in some cases, people try to plead insanity. They're like, you know what? It is your fault. And a lot of these things are the results of behaviors that psychology would like to treat. But you gotta understand too how you gotta understand how that rule of insanity works. That pl- insanity plea is very, very concrete. It's not as general as people make it seem. You can't just say, "Oh, I was schizophrenic and I, I wasn't aware of what I was doing." It has. Well, to I'm be- just saying that legally, some of these behaviors by law were by my free will because you can put me to jail for it. So yeah. Even if, you know, a psychologist would try to treat me and say, you're not doing this from free will. If I told the lawyer or the prosecutor that, they'd be like, shut up. That's the thing, though. There's nothing in psychology that says you're not acting upon free will apart from mental illness. Like actions and behaviors are all free will. What's acting upon you to make you to guide you to this decision is all out of your control. So behavior? Behavior is your choice. What's not my choice? What's guiding you to it? So, for example, let's say... So, my critical thinking. Yeah. Oh, damn, bro. That sucks. How you're, you decide the critical thinking. You decide what's making you do it. What do you think, Protus? I feel like you have a lot to say right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of thinking... I'm, I'm think, these pic, This picture in my mind uh, is forming of, like... Maybe it was something in a philosophy class, but, like of a rock being pushed by a stick. Did, did you have that thing, Freddie? A rock being pushed by a stick. 
a rock, a, like a little rock. There's a rock on the ground. Like right. say we're the rock and there's a stick that's pushing us in a path and like the ball could rock could still and and the rock could like move or up or, you know there's pe- other pebbles around it and it could sort of navigate move. yeah sort of like that but the stick is still making it move and you know there's friction involved there's all these natural sciences involved but is it the stick i don't know i think for some reason that image popped into my mind of and i think it sort of ties into it of you know the, say if the stick had a little arms and legs yeah and grab other things and can uh you know well you know this whole field is so adaptive like for how, how do we know that this concept of a greater force acting on us is just our genetics programming us so i mean we interpret as like i made this decision but your genetics made that decision for you because this chemical process in your in you know going on in your brain ended up making this output of this behavior. Right. My genetics is me, Freddie. And don't you ever try to take that away from me. Yeah. Takeaways. Uh, as we wrap up this, uh, psych check segment, it's running out. Of little. Can you help my depressed dog? Does he want to be helped? Nah, she's pretty weird. And I can't help her. <laughs> I can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. See, and that's where psychology differs from medicine. Can you, though? I can prescribe someone medication, but it doesn't mean they're going to take it. But it'll save their life. Will if it, you force Will it save them. their life just by prescribing it or by them taking it? By having them take it. Okay, so that means they have to freely take it themselves. No, they don't. You can pump it into their stomach. In the same way, you can do that through psychology. Not if I don't want to sit and listen. At some point, you will. <laughs> I know. Fast forward ten years, Freddie's gonna have me like converted. Yeah, my he's main, gonna put me through his conversion therapy. Main takeaway is that man, coronavirus sure uh, gives us some time to think existentially. Oh. Yeah, when else could we have these discussions? I mean, anytime. But like, especially now, I feel like more people. When, when else could we have them? And they're the most interesting thing in our <laughs> lives that day. Yeah. Well, you know. Maybe more people are sort of thinking about about life this way. I mean, we this was sort of like an existential sort of thing. But maybe if you're listening and thinking about that sort of stuff, know that you're not alone. You you're know? not alone. Because you know what, dude? Fun. Maybe my genes make me want to do the stupid shit I want to do. That's what I'm gonna tell my uh, my. Uh, that's gonna be your legal parole officer. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't want to rob the store. It's just my genes programming me with first of all very specific well that causes me to rob liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a very unique gene activation in my in my DNA. You know, I wasn't loved as a kid, and that made me a lot more aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to tell your parole officer. Yeah, that's totally valid, honestly. You know, and, and if the parole officer is cool, maybe it'll change their... I don't know, what does a, does a parole officer do any therapy? That'd be no, interesting. Unless, unless they're a licensed social worker. Does that ever happen? That sounds like a really good thing for the legal system. Yeah, oh, there is. I mean, there, I wish there was more of them. That's the difference between a, 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 a penal system that reforms and another one that just retroactively keeps you punished. They're just penals. I watched, okay, just one last little picture that came up in my mind as we're saying this. I was on Facebook today. I know, shoot me, but uh, <laughs> I was on Facebook today. Outside? 
What? You were on Boomer Bunch? <laughs> Your dad find more whippets outside? <laughs> Maybe. But okay, so someone had just someone the person filming had just gotten hit by like it was a hit and run. They were in like a gas station or a car wash or something. And she they were filming this lady, this this young woman who had, who had just committed the hit and run. And she was freaking out, like having a nervous breakdown, trying like she was kind of blocked into this little Oh, car. I've seen that, I think. It, right? it was the younger girl. Yeah. yeah. And she's running like booty shorts, right? I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. of it. Okay. Anyway, you guys have seen it. So this made me think it's like, you don't understand. Like I got, I, and then, but one thing she says, my grandma is really mean. And I know that's, uh, it's been all, it sounds banal right now in this situation, but you know, we don't know how her life is. Maybe her grandma straight up, I don't even know what she does to her. Is about to start swinging? Yes. Or worse, or abuse. Who knows what kind of abuse that grandma commits. I mean, and the fact that she's a grandma, I wonder how her parents treated her if she doesn't live with her parents, you know? Yeah. So, like, thinking of, of having, I don't know, some empathy. Well, I'll wrap it up like this. The law is is a is a higher entity that doesn't account for... It doesn't account for the personal traits of people. It's just defined what is legally sanctionable. Yeah. Well, let me <laughs> hit you with one last closing statement. Law is a hammer, not a scalpel. Yeah. There you go. The law does not give a f about how your grandma treats you, mm-hmm. unless it's the cases between you and your grandma. Then it cares. Then it cares. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Freddie, thank you well, for joining. Um, See you next time. The Boomer Podcast. The Boomer Podcast. God willing, I see you sometime in May. We'll shoot for June in person. All right. And we're back. It's everyone's, uh, who's a fan of movies, favorite segment. Everyone else, least favorite. The Tapeworms Movie Club. Tapeworms Movie Club. Hey, Freddie, can we hear you? Can you say something? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Oh, okay, cool. Freddie's back on. He yeah. he uh, wanted to stick around because the movie we're reviewing today is... Contagion. Look at us finishing each other's sentences. So... What do you uh, think, Freddie? You saw it, right? Can you give me a recap? I don't... See, I have a lot of trouble not killing the movie. What, try to give a, give a recap, Freddie, without killing it. All right, dude. Um, coronavirus, except way more deadly and cozy within days, hits the world, and people try to stop it. And uh, and uh, a wife that isn't loyal. Yeah, <laughs> a subplot to the global yeah. pandemic. And uh, Matt Damon is in it. Yeah. And although this movie is a little older, I don't know how old it is, but um, like ten years. 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, he looks younger new. now than he did in that movie. He looked really old. <laughs> um, but yeah. What what uh what are some takeaways? What did you learn? Um you man. How, do you think I didn't think they were prepared at all and it kind of reflected what we have now. We kind of have a shit show, but thankfully we're not dealing with the same virus from that, which is just like you get it and within days you're you, you know what it did make me think about? I think it presented a really interesting angle. And I, I'll try to say my point without you know saying too much about the film. But the, the, the president of the CDC in this film, like the director, 
he, I, I feel like he's presented multiple times in the film as like a really genuine, nice guy that really cares about the U.S. and he, he wants to, you know, deal with this virus issue in like the best way possible. But it, it also shows in the film that even he wasn't exempt from thinking about his own self-interest over the, the nations. Right. Um, all, yeah. Although he, he, you know, had the nation's best interest in heart the majority of the time. And I, that just made me think about, you know, our leaders today in, in this real world, how 90% of us, I don't know if that's a good number, but don't really think that a lot of our leaders have their best, our best interests. And, you know, we think that they have their own self-interest. I mean, I mean, and how much, if they really do have their self-interest, then how much more like self-interest they're doing right now and in, in all this stuff, you know? Well, leave it like this. We have a pandemic, but we can't shut down the country because the economy is going to tank. What's more important? Uh, yeah, our health or or blood or our blood. Well, I don't even mean that. Like, because to some degree, I agree that you know there has to be some sort of balance. Because you know, for for long term things, you know, you you save lives now, but more right, in the long run, you know, if hospitals just collapse. But I mean, like you know, like all these leaders, like like uh, senators or stuff, like and and just like. News anchors, I think I read about this one lady that, you know, sold all her stock right before it happened. And like a bunch of people did that, you know, like how insider deals talking, you know, like just stuff like that. Well, you know, maybe it was a little perceptive for that time because, you know, who was it that Trump was trying to get all these ventilators or the whole thing, Mm -hmm. trying to buy these ventilators that that were under his I forget the exact headline, but like. Acting out of self-interest, I think, in most, if not all, I'm going to say most occasions, it, it leads to a lot of consequences to others, their health, their happiness. Uh, this movie, it, all, it, I didn't, it was hard to watch because it felt so real. I almost didn't want to watch it. Um, it was like... It it, it it hit home. I want to say like it, <laughs> there's an echo, but just I, I want to say it held me distance from from the coronavirus because like really? at least in in my case, you know I I'm you know I'm considered an essential worker, so you know I had to go into work, and, and just I don't want to flex okay, on anyone. Get you know, out but, of here. Get, okay. but you know I was at work today, and there wasn't that much to do. I'm just kind of there. Um, because there's a couple so things I, guess, I have to do. I guess you're pretty essential there. Huh? <laughs> it's so, might see, so essential. No, that's how essential I am. All they need is my presence. <laughs> uh, but I was there, you know, watching Contagion. And uh, it, it things felt so <laughs> chill for me. Like, I just felt really chill. Like, then after, you know, I'd get to drive home. There'd be toilet paper. There'd be food. Um, I wouldn't, like, see anyone collapsing on the floor on the way there. Like... I think that the movie took it to such an extreme that although things do feel a little spooky right now, it, it distanced me from it. Imagine watching this movie, but then having someone close to you having coronavirus. Well, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about for me. I'm not, but imagine, I'm, <laughs> yeah. saying, I'm saying, imagine going to that, try for a, a moment to, cons- to imagine yourself in a different situation than you are now. Well, even in that scenario, I mean, there could be the distance because, like, in in the movie, it's it's so extreme that it kills you like borderline between like twenty four to forty eight hours. Yeah, I want to say, you know, if your family member got the coronavirus, you at least got to you know take them to the hospital. They, you know, they maybe just had to go back home, and you just have to monitor them. And if they do die, it's it's probably a little like I want to say unexpected because it's like dang, like 
they it really took him out, you know. Yeah. Well, can, they're not like it was unexpected too, right? Yeah, but in con- uh, not even like people were, like have it and then they look like they're like crapping themselves, like they look like zombies almost. It's in coma, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of just knew you're you're done for. It was just like, well, shit. There's nothing we can do for you. It was unexpected once you got the virus. I feel like that's the, the most shock is when you actually find out, the moment you find out you have the virus. You know, it's, did, is is this fake news or was the coronavirus like already like, is it from bats originally? Or? Yes, that's what, the, that's what they're saying. You know, what's really weird about um, the contagion is that at the end of the movie, they show where it came from and it came from, yeah. I want to say from bats. Damn. I, I thought it was a pig. Well, they, they it, it was a little weird. Like it, it was a bat in in like a a meat factory that like was hanging out with the pigs like crapping on the pigs or something yeah a bat flew inside a pig's ass <laughs> and then a bat fucked a pig yeah maybe they just included as many animals as possible so that they can maybe get it right in the future when it happens and then they're like see we told you they're like no but you also we had a pig warned you yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I want to say in general circumstances, still, I feel like this is a good movie. Guess the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to say 80. I'm going to say 72. Okay, you guys ready? It's it's actually 85. It's so. mm. oh, close. Difficult to please. You know, as an See, essential there, worker. You're, you've been quoted as saying, <laughs> I like every movie I've ever seen. I'm, I don't like any bad no, I really liked it. Okay, well, I liked it too. And I want to say Steven Soderbergh is a great director. I like his movies. What else has he done? My favorite Steven Soderbergh movie is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. That was, I think, his first one. But he's done he's done a bunch of big ones like Logan Lucky, uh, let me, uh, Ocean's oh, Eleven, Ocean's Eleven, Traffic, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Magic Mike. Dang. Dot, dot, dot. Um, Freddie got a little smirk right there. <laughs> he did the another Matt Damon movie called The Informant. Um, he did a Ooh, Kafka that one movie. was a good one. Um, a Mike, Kafka movie? Big Matt Damon Kafka. fan, dude. He also directed Magic Mike XXXL. Um, yeah, and Waking. He didn't direct Waking Life. That was Katrina Glader. But yeah, Steven Soderbergh, good director, one of my faves. Uh, what was you guys' least favorite part of the movie, or or nitpick? Uh, nitpick of the movie. Let's pick some nits. Mm. Where do you think that fifteen percent of not a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes went? What do you think, Freddie? I'm a little. I'm trying to think about it right now. <laughs> I think I didn't like the day. I didn't like the in midst of things format of beginning it and like the day counter, like day two, day. I don't know. I just I I, I didn't like it. I maybe I just didn't like how they're how they're breaking out like how they set up the time period for it to happen. But then it kind of makes sense with like what was going on with the virus. And it is sort of funny how today like you see these people saying like, "Oh, day seventeen of quarantine." Yeah. I like movies that take me away from the reality outside, not the ones that remind me of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you're good thing you watch this one. I mean, if there's anything about it that I think is like maybe 
like it's it's already like not believable because I guess because it's film, although it is believable since we're you know through a pandemic right now. But um, oh, I don't know if I should say it though because it's gonna kill some of the movie. I I just want to say maybe like Go Matt Matt Damon, his literally his wife and his kid died, and uh, homeboy was like completely confused about it in the beginning and acting the way I guess someone would act. But then like the next day, it's like it never happened. So you yeah. I feel like I would be a lot more broken. He didn't go through the grieving process. Yeah, he didn't go through the grieving process, right? Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because his wife was cheating on him and he's like, whatever. But his kids still die. But or it was maybe he's in the middle of a pandemic and he's got bigger shit to worry about. Yeah. Bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. Yeah. yeah. So would you recommend, who would you recommend this movie to? Lastly? Just people in quarantine. People in quarantine. Pe- People who have COVID-19 anxiety so they can realize that things could be way worse. (laughs) That's good. Well, Freddie, thank you for joining us for this little segment. Thank you for your time. I know you've got to hit some Zoom, more Zoom classes. You've got to go Zoom blast some meetings. I'll send you guys a link for a Zoom blast, but it better be good. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Freddie. Bye. Bye. See ya. All right. It's everyone's favorite segment. The one sip worms. One sip worms. So last time we we reviewed Soju Bombs with special guest Emma. Today, but the thing is we didn't have we didn't have we we used PBR for the beer. And today we I guess we did talk about how Asian beers, specifically Korean beers. This t- today's beer is not Korean; it's it is Japanese. Um, but still, it uh, we want to try the full extent, you know, of like what is we sort of tether it together, you know, of like we tried sake bombs. Now we're on a little bit of a Asian Asian uh, flair. So it's Kieran beer it's kieran light today um so it's 95 calories it's japanese and i really i think the alcohol percentage is 3.2 percent 3.2 percent so it's basically kombucha (laughs) yeah well some even some hard kombuchas have less than that but hey we try everything no uh beer left unturned we try everything. I mean, it's weird. We're also thinking of doing coffee. I don't know who ever into coffee, but Caesar and I are big coffee guys. Um, we, we got a French press the other day. <laughs> All right, the other day. <laughs> very short-lived life. Short-lived French press, but um, that—that's a, a short. Long story short, I love to. Uh, long story short. Uh, the French press was lived for about two days and then maybe two or three. I don't know. But anyway, it was kind of, uh, it shattered and there was breaking glass and, um, it, it was good though. And we used some good coffee. Anyway, we've cracked open the beers. It's Kieran light. It is, uh, a premium in light a bottle. Beer. Yeah. These are fewer calories than white claws. Fewer alcohol than White Claws. But hey, it's light beer. So, 
Drink straight out of the bottle. Smells kind of skunky. I, okay, I don't taste anything. Okay, I got a lot of feedback on on the last uh, just thoughts, and and we really need to regulate temperature. So we did. Uh, this beer has been sitting in the fridge for a, quite a while, so it's at a good 30, 36-ish, however the coldest beer you're supposed to have. That's what the temperature is. So it is cold. It isn't like last week's where we had the score sort of not affect us, but immediately it's a very... There isn't much of a flavor profile. Yeah, it's a light. When they say light beer, it's it's light. It's it, very like... There's not really one taste that cuts through very well. Yeah. What, what aftertaste is that? There is like a bit of an like a bitterish aftertaste. Sort of yeah, skunky, bitter, bittery. Uh, yeah, I. If you just take a quick swig, it kind of just tastes like carbonated water, like just a quick. Yeah, I don't understand. This is this is like mineragua. <laughs> yeah, no, it, this could be Mineragua. Because even Mineragua has like a bit of a bitter taste. Yeah, uh, you'll definitely need something. I mean, I don't know. The, the, Kieran, like, I, I like it. You like it? Okay. I don't like, like, I think we've talked about this before, the, the bready, you know, yeah. the aftertaste of beer. And, and this, it's just, you know, like a little bitter, crisp, right, sparkling beer. Yeah, it is uh, like very, it. very crisp, very light, very... Uh, very chill, mellow. If you're, I feel like this is the type of beer when you think of mixing it with soju or or whatever. It's yeah, that's like what they're talking about. Like three point two percent or three three, yeah. So even that's that's less than like a Bud Light or a Coors Light or. I really like the artwork. Yeah, cool artwork. It's very simple. It's it just looks kind of cool. Yeah, I will say, and ten bucks for a six pack, so. Mm. Yeah. So flavor for me, not really much. Uh, hmm, that's pretty cool. Packaging is kind. Of, I I I give the packaging a a good plus on this, but ideal vibe. Man, I I gotta say the ideal vibe for this. I would say food, but we always say food. Yeah, um, I'm thinking like. I go to like a friend's house party or something and I just like I don't feel like drinking that much, but I wanna like partake in the festivities. Yeah. And so I'm like, can I just get what are the Kirian lights? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good uh I feel like You're watching sports, you don't wanna get trash, you just kinda wanna chill, hang out. And it's a cold one. Like especially if yeah. you have, if they're cold and uh you want to pay a little bit more than Coors Light, but don't wanna uh look I guess I would there's I would pay more for this. There's thing. a certain aesthetic, you know, yeah. to this beer. You're let, like not to just like sort of get into the you think of Coors Light as, you know, trashy, you know, beer. If you have this, you're sort of, you know, classy, you're cultured. There's definitely an aesthetic side to drinking Kieran Light that um, you know, you is undeniable like, you know, it, Japanese. I de- I definitely want to go to Japan. Drink one of these in Japan in a really tall building. See, for some reason, now that you say that, like if I was in Japan drinking this, I feel like 
I would be partying. Like I'm I'm not drinking this out of the bottle. I'm drinking it out of like a pint glass. Uh-huh. And I'm just like picking at food and just talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. All right, score. I'm going to give this because I really think I'd buy it again. Really? I I'm going to give it a 7-8. Man. This I think this is going to be our most polarizing one. Well, I do like it. We're gonna tear apart the tapeworms nation. Uh, I mean, I don't know why, but the but the alcohol percentage is making me think. Okay, if give if if you give like Coors Light or or Bud Light like a three point something, this is definitely I feel like for me a little notch above the. Sorry, burp. Um, but I'll give it a. F- I'll give it a four point four. I'm sorry. I like it, but just, just, there's not, if there's a little bit more flavor, I don't know. A little bit more flavor. No? Maybe that's just me. All right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, no matter, it all comes down to that. Um, I just want to say thank you again for listening to the Taperms podcast. Thank you to Kieran. Thank you to Kieran for providing the six pack. We're sponsored. Um, and thanks to Freddie for joining. We'll play you a little outro song. But just have a nice day. All right.
Thank you for listening to the Tape Rooms podcast. And remember, keep, keep it, it wormy. wormy.